As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome to Event Horizon, where we take you on a walk through the paranormal with a splash of conspiracy. My name is Mark Anthony Peterson, and I am your host, and today's episode is entitled Reincarnation and Past Life Experiences. How many of you saw the 1991 movie Dead Again with Kenneth Branagh and Emma Thompson where a private investigator, played by Branagh, and his client, played by Emma Thompson, figured out that they were the reincarnated 1940s couple that was torn apart by the murder of Thompson by what most people figured was Kenneth Branagh. She, of course, was murdered. He was subsequently executed for her murder only later in the story to find out that it was actually the housekeeper's son who had killed Thompson and in a fit of loss the character played by Kenneth no longer wanted to live and accepted the execution the story would end there except that the housekeeper's son believed in reincarnation and had tracked down the modern-day version of Emma Thompson and planned to kill her again. Interesting plot for a movie. But how much of that can possibly be real life? Well, in 1926, a young girl was born named Shanti Devi. She was born in... Delhi, India, and she claimed to remember her past life. When she was four years old, she told her parents that her real home was in Mathura, where her husband lived. Yes, at four years old, she claimed to have a husband, and that they lived in a town that was 90 miles from Delhi. She attempted to run away at six so that she could go home and be with her husband. She told school friends, her school teacher, and her headmaster that she was married and had died ten days after giving birth to her tenth child. She even spoke with the dialect 
of the local village where she claimed to be from, Mathura. Well, the headmaster thought that all of this was just not a coincidence, especially after she gave the headmaster the name of her husband, Kendar Nath. Well, on a hunch, the headmaster decided to see if there was a man in that village that fit the description of having a wife who had died ten days after giving birth to the tenth child, and he found a man in that village, a merchant, with the exact same name that Shanti Devi had given him. Well, word spread to that village, and Kendar Nath was convinced to travel the 90-mile journey to Delhi to meet with Shanti to see if they could prove or disprove her claims of being reincarnated. Kedar showed up in disguise and pretended to be his brother representing Kedar Nath, but Shanti recognized him immediately. She told him details about his life and about his life with his wife that no one else would know. To the point where Kedar Nath was convinced that Shanti Devi was his reincarnated wife whose name was Lugdi Devi. At that point, Mahatma Gandhi was summoned and he commissioned an investigation into the matter. They brought family members of Lugdi Devi to Shanti and asked her to tell their backstories and tell who they were. She recognized her grandfather and her parents. She even chastised her past life husband Kedar Nath for not keeping promises he had made to her on her deathbed. The commission that was summoned by Mahatma Gandhi concluded that Shanti Devi was the reincarnated wife of Kedar Nath, Lugdi Devi. Wow. four-year-old girl convinced of a past life with details that no one could possibly know. One of the scientists who got a chance to interview Shanti Devi was a Dr. Ian Stevenson who was a psychiatrist at the University of Virginia School of Medicine where he worked for 50 years investigating reincarnation, near-death experiences, out-of-body experiences, after-death communications, deathbed visions, and altered state of consciousness. Dr. Stevenson interviewed Shanti Devi and came to the same conclusion that the Gandhi Commission had come to that she was the reincarnated that she had been reincarnated 
and that she was, in a past life, the wife of Kedarnath. Dr. Stevenson interviewed over 3,000 other cases of children like Shanti Devi around the world who had recalled their past lives. And from his research, he founded the Society for Scientific Exploration. He published several books, but one in particular, Reincarnation and Biology, A Contribution to the Ethology of Birthmarks and Birth Defects, where he recorded deformities and anomalies and birthmarks that could not be traced to inheritance, prenatal or perinatal occurrences. He lists in this book some 200 cases of children having memories and birthmarks that correspond to wounds that were received in past lives. These wounds in most cases were fatal. So if in a past life you were shot through the heart, in the reincarnated life the person would have a scar in the spot where the bullet made the fatal entry. 200 cases he recorded where those corresponding birthmarks matched up with medical records showing the wounds of the people whose lives these young kids claimed to live in the past. Stevenson came up with five common characteristics that he saw in his research that were not explained by medicine, by, you know, by inheritance and other prenatal or perinatal occurrences. With Tibetans, he saw this occurrence happening when people on their deathbed requested to be born into a certain family in most cases because they thought the families would take great care of them. In those instances, young children will be born recalling the past life of the person who had on their deathbed requested to be born into that family. Prophetic dreams. In these cases, someone who had died appeared to a pregnant woman or to a family member who had a pregnant woman in the family. These cases were most common among Native Americans in Alaska and individuals living in Burma. The third type of case were these identifiable marks that would link a newborn to a deceased person. So those wounds that we talked about earlier, those fatal wounds, showing up as birthmarks in the reincarnated baby. The fourth in instance that Stevenson logged were children remembering the past life. So like Shanti Devi. In his notes and in his books, he stated that this would typically occur in children between the ages of two and four. 
They would have vivid memories of past life experiences and know details that no one could possibly know. In these children during that time period, they would have difficulty determining which life was real. Like living in a simulation almost. The life they were living or the past life they had lived. Stevenson wrote that these children typically speak of their past life in the present tense. And they often don't recognize their current parents as their actual parents. They speak of their past life parents as their real parents. Stevens indicates that after the age of four, the memories start to dissipate. And I can understand that. The brain can only take so much contradictory information before it cracks or it shuts down. So the dissipation of the memories is probably a coping mechanism to keep the person from cracking. The fifth characteristic that Stevenson identified was that reincarnated children may feel uncomfortable in their current life. Now this is a controversial topic because in this category of his research he indicated that there were children who were born as one sex but lived a past life as a different sex. So a young boy born that remembers his past life as a woman and he has difficulty living his current life because he feels inside that he's still a woman and that when those past life experiences cannot be reconciled those individuals often seek equilibrium by dressing and becoming the sex that they were in a past life. Now this flies in the face of some of the current methodology on the transgender community but this is where Stevenson put this out there to see if there are other ways of helping individuals understand why they feel the way they do. I thought it was fascinating. In 35% of the cases he investigated, the children who died unnatural death developed phobias. He discussed cases where children remembered in a past life that they had drowned. And in their current life, suffered extreme phobias around water. Case after case where young kids had gone through and experienced unnatural deaths. And in one case a young kid remembered being murdered by her husband. 
she knew all of the details leading up to and up through the murder, including the murder weapon and where it may be likely hid. Her testimony led for the, to the case being reopened and the subsequent arrest of her past life husband. How do you explain these things? How do you explain past lives leaking into current lives with such accuracy in these cases? Is it like a corrupted file on a computer where some of the text that had been previously deleted shows up in another document? Because the hard drive, because you hit delete, doesn't mean it disappears. It's just that the computer no longer looks to read information in the spot that had previously saved that information. Which is why the FBI and others in security fields can go back and retrieve deleted documents off your hard drive. They never disappear. It's just the construct that reads the saved information is zooming right over that previously saved file because you marked it as such as not being able to read. Do our souls operate like that? Or maybe they operate in just the opposite manner. Maybe we are intended to carry forward these memories and build on them so that we become a more perfect spirit. But somewhere between birth and five years old, the current plane on which we exist force us to degrade the quality of those memories and rebuild them within just this lifetime. Only being shaped in some ways by that past lifetime if we have phobias or birthmarks that indicate that there may have been something in the shadows of our mind that we can't fully recall. Well, whatever it is, I'm a huge believer in past life experiences and reincarnation. Why? Because I've had those experiences. When I was in the first grade, I can remember it as if it were yesterday. I was in the top bunk in a room with my two other brothers. Older brother had his own full-size bed. Younger brother was in the bottom bunk. That Friday night I went into not a sleep but what felt like a trance. When I say a trance, it was, it was, it was 
it was not a dream. It felt real. It was in color. I found myself running through thick foliage behind what looked like a Mayan woman. I felt hair on my shoulder which prompted me to look down at my arm and it was reddish in hue. I could feel the branches and thorns scraping the skin off my arms as I ran through the thicket. My heart pounded. Every day we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job, it's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. My breath was leaving my lungs. We were being chased by men who were yelling and, and screaming behind us in a language that I did not understand. We were running from them, but we were also running to something, something that I felt drawn to. And when we got to it, it was the most beautiful and majestic black water lake, a still black water lake within what looked like the beginnings of a mountain range. This didn't feel like just any lake. It felt special. It felt like our deliverance from whatever was behind us. Deliverance in, in terms of freeing us or just freeing us from our life if we jumped in and drowned. She got to the bank of the lake first and kneeled and suddenly a vortex appeared within the lake. Spinning counterclockwise, she turned, waved to me and then dove directly into the vortex. I reached the bank and I could see her looking back as she dove through waiting for me to do the same. I couldn't. I was paralyzed with fear and I didn't know if it was fear of the water or not knowing where the vortex was going to take me. In the next moment, I felt the hands of the people who were chasing us to this spot. One grabbed me around the neck and I could make out that his hand was not the color of mine. 
she disappeared through the vortex and in that moment of her disappearing and those waters returning back to a calm black an incredible sadness fell over me I'd say a depression because I felt that way for weeks after this dream or what you might call a dream I felt like I had been separated in time from this person who had been a part of me by this vortex that moment also changed me in other ways I became fearful of water dare say a phobia I almost didn't graduate from college because of it I attended Dartmouth one of the requirements when I attended was that you had to pass a swimming exam an alumni had given a substantial amount of money on the stipulation that everyone learned to swim because their child had drowned in the lake at Dartmouth I put the class off year after year as I made it through my undergrad studies hoping to slip out and not take that class of course the administrators called me the semester before graduation in my room said Peterson you're not gonna graduate until you complete this class at this point you'll be the oldest person in the class because most freshmen get that taken care of the first semester I was determined to not graduate until my closest friend repeated the class with me and helped me pass it learning to swim didn't get rid of that feeling though that somewhere there's a black lake where I lost part of my spirit last year while watching ancient aliens there was an episode where they discussed the Mayan people and entries into the underworld and they showed this black lake which underneath the water held many many natural crystals and it marked the spot where salt water met fresh water this particular lake cavern and many of 
the locals believed it to be a passage point to another world. I nearly fell out of my seat. I wrote down the details because before I leave this plane, I have to go stand on the banks of that lake. The details of what was shown on TV were identical to what my vision was. Chills ran down my spine. I went and grabbed my wife and my kids. I said, this is what I've been telling you guys about. This is it. My wife just stared at it because she's heard this story a hundred times, if not two hundred from me, from the time that we met. She couldn't believe it. The description of what the individuals in the show were saying about the lake and its properties was exactly to what I described in my dream right down to the possibility of the crystals and their ability to conduct a electrical current the salt and fresh waters meeting at that point near the ocean possibly sparking some sort of of electromagnetic pulse that could be a point for vortexes blew my mind. That was the first grade. Pretty heavy stuff for a kid who didn't even know what shaving was. The next event was in the third grade. Didn't sleep this time, but I did have the same eerie, trance-like feeling come over me. If you haven't figured it out yet, I was a bit of a nerd growing up and loved doing homework. In fact, I would be admonished at church because I'd sit on the back pew and do extra homework to get ahead of the class. That's how much I love doing homework. Well, on this particular day, for whatever reason, I forgot to take my Sunday, my social studies book home over that weekend and had forgotten that we were asked to read two chapters over the weekend by the teacher. Back then in the elementary school one teacher would pretty much cover all the subjects in my school. So we'd start out with math in the morning maybe do some writing and then social studies typically would come after play period which that happened after lunch so as we're getting ready to go to play period the teacher says before we go out I want to cover a little bit of that first chapter that I asked you guys to read over the weekend and if we get the questions right we'll go to play period and we'll come back and cover this chapter 2 
At that moment, I realized, oh my, I had not read not a single chapter. But because I had always made an A on everything, I figured maybe I could get away with her not asking me any questions. So the teacher stands up and starts asking questions. Kid after kid had not done the reading. So the teacher turns and says, well, we're not going out to play period because none of you did your homework. A sigh came over the classroom and she said, okay, I'll give you one last chance. And this ought to be automatic. If Mark can answer the questions, we can go out to play period. The kids in the class started to cheer because they said, Mark always does his homework. We're going outside to play. At that point, I felt like I was going to throw up. I hadn't done the work. I hadn't done the reading. The book had stayed at school. My teacher turned to me and said, Mark, first chapter dealt with South America and rubber trees. Tell me how you tap the rubber tree. At that moment, I ceased being me. I don't remember even closing my eyes. It felt like time stood still and in that next moment I don't know if my eyes were open or closed but I was standing next to a rubber tree. My skin had again had changed color. I wasn't wearing the clothes. I was a full-grown adult. And there were others around me doing the exact same thing that I was doing. Looking for the veins in the tree. Making incisions across those veins just deep enough not to hurt the tree and then placing a small bucket underneath to drain the latex out of the tree. I could hear the teacher ask the question again and in a weird way it was like a long distance call from where she was to where my spirit was and my mouth just started describing what I was doing in intricate detail as I worked as I were explaining it to someone that was about to do the work I gave her that detail. 
she continued on with the next question what do you do after you have drained sufficient amount of latex from the tree and I continued to work watching my effort and turning and marking the tree and that's what I told her I marked the tree why do you mark the tree so as not to over tap the tree and damage it to extend its life question after question that she continued to ask I continued to give extensive detail about the process from a first hand perspective until she said let's go out for play period like a yo-yo being wound back up I felt myself coming back into me I couldn't play at play period I had no energy left I felt like I had done a full day's work on a plantation physically I could not have done that but mentally I felt completely exhausted how could I have known those things how could I have seen myself in those instances I've had other snippets of lives since those two vivid experiences pieces of conversations languages I don't quite understand but feel like I do when I was in Amsterdam in the late 1990s another one of these trances came over me and I began to speak the language and I woke up from that telling my wife I think I can speak this language I can understand what people are saying and I don't know why I can do that and when we walked around in the streets of Amsterdam and I'm listening to the Dutch being spoken I'm understanding the words and I've never taken the language before in my life how are these things possible are these little shades of memories that are residue on our souls that leak through or are we really meant to carry these lives forward to make our souls better
each time. I don't know. But what I do know is I still carry the sadness of those eyes that jump through that vortex. And maybe one day, when I'm back on the bank of that black water lake, maybe that vortex will open back up. And hopefully something will come back through that will help me answer some of these questions. My name is Mark Peterson. This is Event Horizon. Walk in the paranormal with a splash of conspiracy. Thank you for listening. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.